Hello. Welcome to the Daily Chron for Monday, April 15th, 2019. I'm Stephen Tolton, and today is going to be a little bit of a special episode. Uh, my friend Mike and I are trying to work on a new podcast uh, that where we're both the hosts, and we're kind of calling that Popcorn and Bourbon for right now. And it's a, uh, you know, like a review podcast for movies, TV, that kind of thing. So we have kind of a trial run here that I'm going to uh, put in as this episode of the Daily Cron. It's about half an hour long, and we're going to be talking about the Hellboy movie that we saw over the weekend. So if you're into that kind of thing, feedback is appreciated. Um, but we'll return to our normally scheduled Daily Cron type episodes starting tomorrow. And then if this thing Mike and I are working on becomes its own podcast, I will let you know. So for now, enjoy the pilot episode zero of Popcorn and Bourbon. Hello, welcome to the pilot episode number zero of a new podcast that I and my friend Mike, say hello Mike, Hello. are starting here called Popcorn and Bourbon. Popcorn and Bourbon. And this is going to be a... Yet another podcast where two nerdy people talk about pop culture stuff, uh, specifically movies, I think, for the most part. For the most part, yep. And, Maybe uh, a TV show here and there, but mostly movies. And wh- why, are we all, why are we doing this when there's so many of them out there? Because there's never enough opinions in the world. That's true. There's, there's never enough uh, marginally informed opinions about pop culture. It seems to be an, an insatiable appetite. Maybe we can get... Uh, 12 listeners on this podcast, and I can like double my total listenership. Not just marginally informed, but also misinformed. Well, that's my that's my job here because I don't. No, I'm my my job for this podcast is to be completely ignorant about the uh, background about these movies and just give my opinion about the thing I saw. And your job is to provide the interesting factoids. So, some of which may be incorrect, but uh, I, I'll fact check them. Well, let's hope they're incorrect. That'll that'll give people reason to. Uh, like hate listen to us. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> anything for anything for the the listens. Yep, yep. Uh, then maybe we can get sponsorship and we'll see where it goes from there. <laughs> sponsorship is funny. Anyway, <laughs> so uh in this episode we went to see a movie today at our local independent theater. Yeah, let's give a quick shout out to Penn Cinema. Uh Huntington uh, Valley. Yes, the Huntington Valley location. Um, PA. We like to support the independents, so we went to uh, this uh, Penn Cinema. They've got only three locations, uh, and this is the closest one to yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool theater, actually. Leather chairs, uh, lean back, plenty of space. Oh, tons of space, and it still has that new theater smell. Yeah, it has uh, nice concessions, including a bar, you know? Yep. Local distillery there provides the alcohol. Yeah, the distillery is in the same shopping center. And so the reason we're calling this podcast uh, Popcorn and Bourbon is because uh, honestly, whenever we go to a movie, and we we tend to do that kind of often. When L- Mike, less than we used to, but hopefully that'll change. True, but but ever since they started adding bars, especially every time we go to the movie, Mike would always get popcorn. That's always. just that's a given, and I would just almost always get a bourbon. Yep. So that's definitely. Wait, they 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 have that at the place we're going to see Endgame, right? They have. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, Endgame. The theater is not going to be as nice as the one we saw Hellboy, which is what we're going to talk about today. Um, uh, but. Uh, I am definitely, definitely getting a bourbon for Endgame. Although, I feel like I should have like three, because it's like a three-hour long movie, but whatever. Well, yeah, I, I guess. But this anyway. was a two-hour movie, and you had none. You had coffee. I, well, it was too early in the morning. Their bar wasn't open anyway. Yeah. 
So anyway, that's so th- th- that's the reason behind this. So we're going to talk about Hellboy today. Um, why yeah. do we go see Hellboy? Um, that's a great question. Um, I guess because we're genre fans in general. Uh, we like comics. We like sci-fi. Yeah, but we neither- like fantasy and that sort of thing. Neither of us have actually read the comic this is based on. I I. Th- I think I may have read one or two of the issues uh, a few, several years back. Well, I definitely uh, watched the first two movies, of which this is not a sequel. I know it may be confusing. Uh, yeah, right. It's this, like... is, this one is directed by Neil Marshall, whereas the previous ones were uh, Guillermo del Toro, Academy Award-winning director Guillermo del Toro. And there was supposed to be a third movie, but I guess it was never made because the second movie, what, didn't make enough money or something? Uh, I'm not exactly sure the reason behind that. But there was originally a plan... Like, the story had a three-movie concept, right? Yeah. And so this should be that movie, and yet it's not. It's like a weird reboot of the franchise with uh, not with a different actor. Uh, yeah, David Harbour, uh, who yeah. is the sheriff on Stranger Things on Netflix. And this goes back to my, my statement about my general ignorance earlier. I did not even realize that's who it was until he told me. And uh, even after I did tell you, you forgot promptly. And then, and then he told me again before we record the podcast, and that's and, how. And then I wrote it down in the notes so that you forget. I can't remember actors' names. I'm terrible at it. I'm not great at it either, but uh, for some reason, some trivia just pops in there. Well, this is why we wrote it down. That that is one of the main <laughs> reasons. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Mike, what did you what did you really think about this movie? In like in a nutshell, did you enjoy yourself today? Well, that, that uh, I guess the best way to say it, it was not a good movie, but I was thoroughly enjoyed or entertained. Yeah, I have to say the same thing. This movie is not good by any kind of uh, measure of a movie. It kind of fails in most respects. It's not it's not particularly well constructed. It's you know, its effects aren't the best. Most of the acting is pretty bad. The action sequences are only like okay and you know, it's it's basically a middling kind of film with moments of kind of badassery in there, I think. Yeah, no, definitely had some uh, some key scenes that were uh very pretty to look at, um, but story-wise, the through line was was there one? Okay, I, well, what do we what do we want to talk about this movie? Uh, we want to talk about story first. Let's go with story. There's a lot sure. of things you can talk about this movie. So story, <laughs> there is no story to this movie. I mean, there technically is a story, and it's kind of about some and spoilers, people. Like it matters for this movie. Yes, yeah, sp- huge spoiler alert. But it, it there's technically a story, and it's it's about a a Mila Jovovich being Mila Jovovich and hamming up. The screen, which is actually one of the better parts of the film, it but, is. but it's about uh, Mila Jovovich playing like a fifth-century witch, and I don't know, trying to come back from not being dead but cut up in pieces, and then wants Hellboy to be her king or something and fulfill his destiny to bring the apocalypse. It's really not clear exactly why anybody's doing anything. Uh, no, there's there's uh, a few attempts made on his life, and he's not even sure why. No, nothing makes sense. The problem with this movie, uh, plot-wise, story-wise, is that like scenes are just disconnected from each other. They they make they're they're very loosely connected, if at all. And it just you just kind of jump from one location to the next. And if you're lucky, you get a tiny like connecting scene where they will play odd rock music to make you think that a caravan of cars driving like eight meters down the street is entertaining. <laughs> Yep, and for and for as much exposition is in is in this movie. Oh God, exposition! We find out a hell of a lot more information than the characters do themselves. We do. We, I mean, Hellboy still at the end of the movie. I still don't think figured out why people were trying to kill him. <laughs> you don't think he understands by then? I mean, he, I don't he might have figured it out. 
But nobody explained it to him. They, I, we, it was explained to us at least four times in the first ten minutes. It was? Yeah, three different characters mentioned it. Yeah, I don't understand. So this movie is just very confusing from a story standpoint. It's like, you know what it is? It's a, it's a story that starts in media res as well. True, which I usually like, actually. But that can be a difficult way to structure a film, especially a film that's a, a genre piece like this, where you can't assume the audience has all this background knowledge. It's not even a franchise that was ever huge, like comparatively to, to you know, like Marvel movies or something. Oh, so, no, absolutely not. So it, it's like I, I saw both the other movies, but they were a long time ago, and, and I can't identify all of the characters and things that are mentioned in this. I feel like if you're going to do an in media res uh, type of, of structure, you, you need to either be very comfortable, I think, that the audience is going to understand where you're coming from. Like, you can do that with Star Wars, I think. Oh, or, absolutely. Because people well, understand. Did, essentially. Yeah, right. But in this one, it's like, there's there, if you're going to do that, that's uh, okay, I guess. But you need to provide um, context and some background at some point. But the way they do that is just through exposition dumps that randomly occur or na- and narration. It's just weird. It's like they could they they don't really tell a coherent story and yet what we so literally what you have in this is moments of the story where a hellboy is just s- somehow in another place like just taken somewhere and he and he deals with some kind of um like bad guy often it's like some he has some connection with them from some past adventure that we know nothing about right. but they kind of reference obliquely and it's like the primary motivator for this bad guy like Baba Yaga is the primary one there's a villain called Baba Yaga in this and Baba Yaga's primary motivation is something that happened sometime in the past in a movie that doesn't exist. No, it, but I'm sure it is based in the comics. Okay, that's fine, but I didn't read the comics. You can't assume people read the comics when they see a movie. Really? I hate that. I hate that. That's lazy. And this movie reeks of lazy um, script writing. True. Uh, although that does um, come to the point that we have here in our notes, that this movie, I believe, tonally at the very least, uh, is a lot closer to the source material than the Del Toro film. That that may very well be true. I'm not sure. I've never read the comics, but that's what I've heard. It definitely has a tone of mm, kind of playful irreverence with a helping uh, heaping of of gore. Oh, definitely, definitely <laughs> with the gore. It's 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 very gore. Um, but you know, I'm complaining about the story and all, and, and it is it is kind of shite, as I say, but. It is entertaining anyway, because there's certain scenes that are entertaining. If you kind of go in there and you, you turn off your brain a little bit, there's there's enough, I think, to make it uh, make it fun for like a matinee or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah, no, that like that's so that right. that kind of brings me into like some of the mostly positive aspects of this movie. So the story is kind of confusing and, and weird, and you just jump around. But you know the effects, the visuals, the, the makeup they 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 go from being um, good to to sometimes cr- almost great. Like a little overreaching, like for instance, I would say Hellboy's makeup is actually pretty good. I I like it. I'm not sure it's I like it as much as the original films. No, they they try to make him. I don't know. It's odd. His his body seems a little bit more muscular, more defined, but his face is more gaunt. I think it's more comic like because I've seen uh I've seen images from the comic. Oh yeah, no, it, it definitely is. Like I said, I I believe this one is, seems more source uh adjacent. Oh, something that was brought up in a review that we watched on YouTube that I didn't even notice in the film uh, was that in the Del Toro films, they animated his tail, and now it's coming back to me when that was mentioned. Uh, in this film, it's not. It's just kind of there. It doesn't play any kind of active role. It's one of those things that I think is the result of their budget. 
So this movie, it, you can really see where they spent money, where they cut corners, and the fact that their total budget was obviously a bit less than they needed to pull off the type of scenes and the type of effects they were going for. Right. And that being said, the, the creature effects were really, really good, but they were obviously CG and yeah. not practical. They were obviously CG, and they, they, so they weren't as good as a Del Toro film by far in a, in a lot of ways. But the, the, they do try to use CG well, and it, it's not to this, the level you might expect from a large what seems to be a large um, blockbuster movie when they, when they, based on the advertising. True. What I can tell, though, uh, is the writer of the movie, um, who is uh, Andrew Cosby, or at least one of the main writers of the movie, and the director, uh, Neil Marshall, they have a lot more history, um, respectively, with movies, than, or with television, than they do with movies. So I, I believe that might have been why they were hired in the first place, to work with such a low budget. That, uh, that could be the case. Uh, and I, I did notice in this film that, some of the action sequences reminded me of TV, specifically of, I told you, the Arrow TV show. It's on CW. Right. Because, like, like especially, I think, an action sequence near the end, you have a bunch of characters fighting, and, and then you have these this kind of moving shot from character to character. And you have, then people will fall through the frame, and then it'll, like, swing over the other character. It, it, it felt a lot like a slightly higher budget episode of Arrow, which which I'm, I, I'm giving as, like, a backhanded compliment, because that's great and all but it's a movie so i expect a bit more than that but i'll say that most or maybe half half or, or better of the action sequences are actually pretty good they at least have moments in them that are that are are well done but it's kind of hard when they're having the fights with the cgi monsters except for the giants that was a fun fight yeah absolutely it, was. it, it was it was appropriately gory and had the that the tone i think they were going for i think it's the best expression in the movie of an action sequence that was what they wanted to do, even though you can totally tell they're CGI trolls. But you know what? They were at least as good as I think the trolls are in the movie Troll Hunter, right? Oh, right. Was no, it absolutely. Troll Hunter? Yeah. Is it called? Yeah. The one with the, the, not the cartoon one. Oh. Uh, Troll? There was one I mean, where it was like... talking about the trolls based off, off the toy, right? No, not that troll. The no, hair. there was a movie that was about like a, like trolls. That it, it was like a, it was like a... Uh, Probably. It had like really good troll effects in it. Anyway. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. Anyway, they were pretty good. Okay, well, going along with what, what you just said there, though, the, the, the cinematography in that scene with the giants uh, was also very emblematic of the entire movie, where it's functional. It doesn't really, there's nothing really standout-ish about it. it there's not, they're not trying True. anything new. It's people who went to film school and learned how to shoot, and it's a movie. Yeah, probably the most interesting shot in that sequence is really when they kind of do, I don't, I don't know that we call it, but like they, they track him when he gets like whacked, you know, off screen and they kind of follow him and they do a couple other shots like that where, but the thing about the thing about that, that sequence, it is, it is mostly like medium and long shots. Um, there's not which, a lot which of, thankfully, because I believe close up shots are what ruin, uh, transformers among others. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I think that the, the sequence doesn't have a lot of interesting angles and that's what the kind of the issue is. So even when he's like climbing on top of them, how did they? Do, they didn't really do a lot of like POV perspective. No, but a the size si maybe the, but the size comparison between Hellboy and the Giant still came across pretty well. It came across pretty well, yeah, especially uh, you know during moments. But it's it's still a little awkward because you have uh, these the shots that are kind of a little bit wider, and you have the Giant farther away and and Hellboy closer. So you have the perspective issue. And so it's like it, it was more exciting when he was in the close-up battle. 
Oh, yeah. Sequence. But then it was also kind of hard to tell what was going on at, at points because everything was kind of colored the same. Yeah. You know? But, you know, it was still probably the best fight scene. The The most fun action scene for me was the, uh, I don't know what we call it, the Hell on Earth scene or, it, later on in the movie where all these demons, like, pop up out of nowhere and start murdering people in London. Oh, it's so violent. So bloody. <laughs> it's so violent. But it's, it's like cartoon CGI blood violent. It's, it's, it's not. It's supposed to be disgusting and like and gory, but you can't take it seriously because it's so over the top. Well, it is based on comic book. Yeah, but it's it's also the effects just aren't actually realistic. No, true. You know, like people getting their heads ripped off and torn in half and stuff and screaming and it's and it sounds like that should be horrifying, but it's but it it's just, more hilarious than horror. Yeah, it comes off as more hilarious because it's not real people. It just looks like a bunch of CGI monsters and a bunch of like CGI people. Um. But it is it is fun because the demon designs are hilarious. The demon designs are hilarious, and they're uh, they're they're well executed. I would say even for well, especially for the budget that they must have had. Uh, yeah, I mean, and also they had in that sequence. It seems like the animators and the direction the director had a lot of fun because they had they had like uh, one monster who was just stomping through the streets, skewering people on his feet. So he was like shish kebab feet with yep, people yep. on them. Like that's just funny in a in a gory. Kind of macabre way, mm-hmm. uh, so they did that, and they had they had like the giant, they had like just just creepy designs. I thought they were pretty good, but the again the problem the budget comes back over and over again. So that sequence is interesting, but it doesn't last very long. No, um, the sequence, the best sequence in the movie, the best looking sequence in the movie was probably the the metal cover come to life sequence is what I call it, where Hellboy rides a dragon. You see it in the trailer. It's actually not a lot longer than that. No, no, it's very brief. Uh, it's but very it, brief, but it is gorgeous. It is badass, and it's if the whole movie was that, uh, yeah, it, I would I would be bumping up my uh, my rating. Right, but that like you said, metal album cover come to life. Uh, just that reminds me a lot of the uh, video game came out several years ago from uh, Double Fine uh, called Brutal Legend with Jack Black in it. Oh my god, really? Have you watched Jablinski games, or as he called it, Jablinski Games? Uh, no, I, I that's a YouTube thing. I don't really uh, spend much oh, time on YouTube. That is one of the greatest YouTube channels, and he he actually plays. Brutal Legend in one of the episodes. Oh, that's beautiful. It's Jack Black playing Jack Black in Brutal Legend. is great. Oh, I love it. It's very fun. I will have to check that out. Uh, yeah, Brutal Legend is a fun, fun game. But yeah, it is like that, but just not as not as good as Brutal Legend. Right. But you know, so while the, the effects are a little cheesy and all, what is super cheesy is, I think, some of the acting, but in like a good way for the most part. For the most part. So I'm going to say that I, I, most of the acting is terrible. <laughs> but there are, uh, what we say? Two, well, Mila Jovovich, so three. Mila Jovovich, um, Ian McShane, and... Oh, Ian McShane. And, every, and, every line he delivers is gold. Yeah, Ian, Ian McShane and uh, Hellboy himself, um, David, uh, David Harbour. <laughs> I know David Harbour. I'm looking at the notes so okay, I can remember. Good, good. I can't remember his name. Why can't I remember his name? I don't know. Uh, it's the bourbon, probably. Possibly. So, <laughs> so anyway, the uh, those three... Are really fun, I I think. So David Harbour has a really interesting, uh, he, well, no, I'm just gonna say he has really good com uh, comedic delivery, excellent for, for this character. And while some of the jokes fall flat, they're they're not completely awful because he has good delivery. Yeah, and he he's trying to be kind of a smart aleck, which I think is more akin to the comics. It is, and it definitely comes across. Um, it does. Yeah, uh, I would definitely say that that aspect of his uh, acting. Is, is much better than uh, what Ron Perlman gave us. Although Ron Perlman, I, I believe, was just the moment he was announced I, uh, as help, being Hellboy in the previous movies, I was like, oh, perfect. Well, I think Ron Perlman's 
version of this had way more gravitas. Oh, certainly. Like, he did the serious scenes, the emotional scenes, I think, better. And, and but that also might come down to the fact that this uh, version of Hellboy is supposed to be a younger Oh, it is. I, okay. That, that that actually makes sense. It, although, really, he's a younger version because he, yeah, he, his I, origin is from just after World War II. Well, yeah, but and it takes place in present Spawn, day. He ages, you know, a lot slower. Yeah, but it takes place in present day. Yeah. And the other ones doesn't have the same origin story, and it took place like twenty. Like I mean, he was acting like a petul- uh, petulant teenager. That's true. That's true. He he does act like he doesn't act like someone who's like like seventies or eighties or something. I mean, I mean, I believe he used the exact phrase "aw, dad" at least once in the movie. Yeah. Well, that brings me to to to, to my favorite actor in the movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Mr. Uh, Ian McShane, who delivers the most ridiculous lines in the way that only Ian McShane can, and it's freaking gold. I, I can't remember the line verbatim, but he has that one line where I was like, literally, I started laughing, but like a good way because he he was uh, saying like he's like trying to give an inspirational kind of speech all of us uh, for a moment and saying we have this. There's a fifth century witch out there with her pig monster, and it's like, wow, <laughs> you had an actor of that caliber say a line that's stupid, yep, and yet he says it with absolute conviction and believability. I believe it one hundred percent because Ian McShane says it. Yeah, and I get the distinct impression that whole film that he is loving it. Oh, absolutely, that comes across. I would say that pretty much the entire film that the people making it seem to enjoy it. Oh yeah, I mean that really saves the film uh from its its problems. Like its weaknesses in the script and the budget are and mostly acting, but are they're kind and, of and the poorer story through line. Well, I think it goes along with the script. But yeah, the, the those those deficiencies are offset a great deal by the the fact that the main um leads just seem to be having fun and it seems like everybody involved and also I would say the animators also seem like they're having fun too with some of those effects and Oh yeah. like, like some of the the things that they do in the the Speak, way they animate the gore. Speaking of the animators, fun. when we were watching the credits, there were so many V's on screen. Like, just a letter V in so many different names. I'd like, never seen so many V's on screen at once. So they were, like, what, um, uh, from... Russia or Bulgaria, somewhere. Somewhere in that. Yeah, obviously. That's where a lot of the animation was done. But uh, that, I had never seen so many Yeah, there was a lot, a lot of V's in there. A lot of V's in the credits. But, um... Overall, the... Movie, I would have to say, yeah, I have to say, I don't know how we're going to score movies on this. We're going to. Yeah, we got to figure that out. But I would say if I was going to, I can't recommend people actually go out and spend full price on this like we did. I would say it's probably worth the price of Netflix. Well, okay, Netflix. Yeah. I, I, I believe that this movie probably has a Netflix budget. So I believe that if you are watching it, it should treat it as if it were a movie you found on Netflix. True, you can watch like Resident Evil and then watch Neil Jovovich in this and, and and compare and contrast. Yeah, and and wonder if it's the same character is <laughs> slightly more more insane. <laughs> oh my god, this movie just let's just talk for a minute about how insane the story really is in this movie. They have elements of what King Arthur's legend yeah. Merlin makes an appearance. Yeah. We have Mila Jovovich being Mila Jovovich yeah. times ten. We have um, CGI demons that look like literally out of like a Megadeth cover or whatever metal band you know or, insert here or an issue of Hellboy or an issue of Hellboy. Yeah, um, we have like some kind of I don't know a were cougar or something. Like what the hell is that? Uh, was that more of a jaguar? Were jaguar? I don't know. Like and we have a really disgusting way of 
channeling spirits. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, it's just Which, so many weird Interesting, ideas. but if, the confusing. CGI on that was just... Oh, and also confusing. At first, I thought, okay, so there's a character in this. One of the bad actor, bad acting, perform- bad performances, I would say. Um, and I don't know if that's because the actor's not good or because the script was bad or both. But anyway, uh, she's a, a like a spirit I mean, she medium. was in Hearts Beat Loud uh, with Nick Offerman, and that was good. Well, anything Nick Offerman in is good. Yeah. Well, I mean, he makes it good. Usually. Makes it tolerable anyway. <laughs> but no, anyway, there's an effect they do where she's a spirit medium, whatever, and when she channels it, it's like this guts come out of her mouth, and they kind of form with a horrible CGI effect. But I was like, is she puking up her intestines or something? Like, what is happening here? Like, what is that made of? Like, there's no explanation given for this effect. And and this is a this is a, a pet peeve of mine, you know, about about the you need to have internal consistency. And this movie does not really have internal consistency about its rules. Like, it has weird crap happen and no real explanation. Like, where do these monsters and crap come from? Like, just from hell? Like, why are they here? They try to talk a little bit about maybe like a a, a bigger issue of is it really fair to be treating all monsters like they're evil? And because, you know, and, and I think they wanted to talk about a nature versus nurture debate with Hellboy, but they just don't really elaborate on it very much. And, uh, and then you have like just weird stuff happening, like the, that effect and no explanations given to the rules. You'd expect maybe like an explanation. Oh, we have, we have Merlin talk about like a capacity for magic. Like there's like a limited amount. He has this like, well, like what the heck is magic? Where does it come from? How do you use it? Like, none of this, and so if you're a genre viewer like I am, you like genre films a lot, uh, this becomes very distracting because you're just constantly thinking about how do the mechanics of this universe work? Not how they work compared to the real world, but how do they but work internally? Internally, and, and they doesn't. Like, Hellboy's, like, like Hellboy's um, resiliency and strength levels seem to be all over the place. I don't know. I, I just, the whole movie just, it seems a little bit underwritten. Yeah, and no, that, I, know, I would agree. But, you know, that's okay. Overall, I'm going to say, this movie is, as I said, more of a Netflix watch than a go-out-in-the-theater watch. It definitely has moments that were entertaining. I definitely, I left the movie uh, feeling like it was worth us going because we haven't seen a movie in a while. Uh, I felt entertained by it. There was definitely some good performances. And, you know, I actually do want to see a sequel. So would I, but I, I believe it should be a direct Netflix sequel. Yeah, maybe so. Or Hulu, or somebody who can pick it up. Maybe so. I just want to see. I want to see the Hellboy performance again, and because uh, it was actually pretty good. Yeah, David Harbor is in general a good actor, and he worked well with I think weak material. Yeah, and they also set up a sequel, which we won't spoil, but they they do set it up in the post credit sequence. Also, stay around for the final post credits. Oh, Thomas Hayden Church makes Thomas the most hilarious Hayden, cameo in this movie. Thomas Hayden Church. A man. Sandman himself. Oh, man. So good. His, his very brief appearances in this movie, but they are freaking awesome. Yeah. The, um, uh, and, and that reminds me of the, uh, the scene with the, the Nazis. Oh, yeah. With, uh, the, uh, with the weird, like, 3D red-blue glasses. <laughs> yeah, so, like, th- so this, as I said, this movie has just a bunch of really good scenes in it. Not a great overall film. But that is up there as one of the best scenes in the movie where it's, it's Hellboy's, like, birth. Apparently, Nazis wanted to bring something... And they use like Rasputin to, to like <laughs> to like to raise him. Yeah. to conjure him, and uh, all the Nazis are there in like weird comic book garb. Like there's, it just has a close up of a of a like a Nazi with a uh, like weird blue red like three D goggles on yep. goggles on yep. and stuff. Everybody's wearing like weird super science clothing. You know what I mean? Like yep, like something from Hydra from uh, yeah the yeah. Film. Especially they look like Hydra, 
And then the Allies come and, like, beat the crap out of them, and it's awesome. Because when is beating the crap out of Nazis never awesome? It's always awesome, Mike. It's always awesome to watch Nazis get their comeuppance on, in, in movies. Uh, it actually reminded me, like, of um, like Raiders of the Lost Ark for a Oh, yeah, there. yeah. But anyway, that that just I, I was reminded because uh, that, that's that's where the, one of the appearances for uh, Thomas Hayden yeah, Church. Thomas Hayden Church comes in, and it's just like I don't even know the character that he plays. I just know it's awesome, and I would love to see a whole movie about him because that was <laughs> that was fun. Or maybe uh, maybe a standalone like miniseries TV show type deal. Yeah, so yeah, I so guess that's a classic like uh, old school uh, adventures. You know. Yeah, I guess that's kind of. That, that's the, the origin of the character, I would imagine. Is when Mike Mignola, from the, you know, who created the character, the comic book, used him in the comics, I would imagine that was his origin, something like that. Yeah, I, I would say I guess that's kind of the the ultimate uh, issue with this movie. It has a lot of interesting ideas coming from the comics that are not really explored or explained well. They're put onto film in some interesting but disconnected scenes. And tied together with mostly mediocre acting, with a few excellent performances from you know our our main main like two three leads yep. you know headliners, um, and then it's just marred by overall mediocrity through most of the rest of the yep. production. And I think primarily that's because of budget, not right. vision. Right. And maybe there's a little studio interference in there. I don't know. It's a big property. Maybe they they really wanted to make sure certain beats. I don't know. It, it does. It, it feels like something that's just not doesn't doesn't feel like a complete vision of one director true writer it true. feels like a mishmash of ideas that if they would just pick one and really expound upon it you'd have a great movie all by itself yep all right well this is our inaugural episode zero of popcorn and bourbon i'm mike i'm steve and that's it for this episode see you next time i uh hope you enjoyed that episode it was Maybe a little bit of sound issues in there you might have picked up. Uh, it is a pilot after all. But if you like that kind of thing, you can stay tuned because we might do more of it. And you can give me feedback at on Twitter. I'm Stolton, S-T-O-L-T-O-N. You can find contact information, social media links, and the archive of past Daily Cron episodes at dailycronpodcast.com. I will talk to you next time.
just the same. Die.